Welcome to the Practice Advantage Podcast. I'm Dr. Justin Manning, and here on the podcast, I interview experts from within and outside the eye care industry on the business management topics and advice that matter most to you, your practice, your patients, and your success. Let's dive in. Welcome to a special episode of the Practice Advantage podcast, coming to you live from the PECA annual meeting here in Palm Springs, California. Pay attention over the next couple of days because we'll be sharing some insights and some wisdom from the annual meeting. And to kick us off, let's dive into some of our general session with Dr. Natalie Nixon, our keynote speaker on the power of creativity. Hi. I am so, thank you everyone. I'm just gonna leave my water right here. I'm so impressed that you know that the area code of Philly, the 215, hello, thank you, that's awesome. And I also loved that um, Jeff's uh, reference to the fact that um, vision without execution is hallucination, love that, I just tweeted that. And um, the way I like to think about it similarly is that goals are dreams with deadlines. So thank you, um, Jeff, for adding that into my roster of cool sayings and expressions. We have been working on this conference, as you know, for three years. It was, it was in, actually in 2019 that I was approached to come speak at this assembly, so I'm so Happy to be here and really grateful for your invitation. And um, what we landed on as something that would be helpful is to think about this idea of creativity as being key to the future of work. Where we want to land, where I want the plane to land today is uh, a few things. Number one, it's my goal that you walk away from my remarks realizing that Creativity is not a nice to have, it's not this woo woo fringe benefit, but it is a must have, especially right now in increasingly complex and uncertain times. But I also want to share with you by the end of this talk two frameworks. I'm a bit of a frameworks nerd, and I, I, it's my hope that you will be quite nimble and explain to other people what wonder rigor is and what the three eyes are. So that's where the plane's gonna land. And these are the two questions that I have been wrestling with and that are gonna kind of be a through line throughout my remarks. The first question is, why should we consistently integrate creativity into our work? Why? Especially if a lot of people have certain preconceptions about creativity, and we'll get into that. And then the follow-up question to that is, after I share about why it's so important to consistently integrate creativity into our work, how might we do that? So I'll start with a reference to the World Economic Forum. In 2015, the World Economic Forum said that creativity would rank as the top, number 10 of the top job skills for 2020 and beyond. That was in 2015. One year later, in 2016, they said, hang on, we actually think that creativity is going to rank as the number three job skill for 2020 and beyond. Now, job skills numbers one and two are critical thinking and problem solving, which, P.S., 
is still creativity. So net-net, creativity is ranking as the number one job skill for 2020 and beyond according to the World Economic Forum. Next, I want to share with you some research from Stillcase, the furniture design company. And Stillcase has been very interested in the future of work, I think for obvious reasons. They want to make sure they're designing furniture for, for work systems that make sense for us. They learned that 55% of people who they surveyed want to be more creative in their roles, but 19% point to a lack of guidance or permission to be creative. And then they broke down their data generationally. And they learned that younger people, millennials and centennials, are showing a lot more creative ambition than us older workers. I'm a solid Gen Xer. Fidelity investments in the financial services sector also has done some interesting research generationally, and they learned that millennials are ranking the quality of their work environment over financial remuneration when they are considering a job offer. So that really matters. And then degreed research has found that 46% of people are reporting that they are more likely to leave their employer if there's no commitment to upskilling or reskilling. And creativity is all wrapped up in the mix of upskilling and reskilling. But the research continues into 2020. And now I want to share three interesting data points from the company WeTransfer, the data file transfer company. They learned that 61%, and sorry, I should also mention, this research was compiled in September of 2020, so right at the beginning of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic. They learned that 61% of people in new jobs are actually having more creative ideas. Very interesting in the midst of all these constraints. That 29% of people are feeling a lot more creative than usual, and 46% are reflecting on how to achieve purpose and fulfillment in their work. So it's not enough anymore for us to offer healthcare benefits for us to make sure all the trains are running on time. More of us need those higher level needs met. If you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and really want to work in environments where purpose and dreaming are allowed. Here's what I know to be true. In a world where we can now work from anywhere and we can learn from anywhere, those organizations, companies, and teams that work at the intersection of the following three areas will be the ones that flourish and thrive. And those three areas are productivity, technology, and meaningful human connection. Now, among my clients, they typically have two out of the three down. They are a tech firm, and they're just trying to figure out how to be a bit more productive or they're super productive and they're trying to identify the best technology platform to work. But what very few have figured out is how to intersect technology, productivity, and meaningful human experience internally among colleagues, but also externally in terms of the clients with whom they're interacting. Now, I'm a little biased, but in my view, creativity is the through line between all three of those domains. It's our ability to exercise our creative competency, which will allow us to really 
optimized at the intersection of being super productive, using the best technology, and ensuring that there's meaningful human connection because of all those statistics I just shared with you. So you're totally within your rights. If I now at this point you're wondering, well, how the heck is she defining creativity? This lady calls herself a creativity strategist, keeps throwing around the word creativity. How am I defining it? Great question. I landed on the following definition of creativity. That creativity is our ability to toggle between wonder and rigor to solve problems and produce novel value. And sometimes I just say creativity is our ability to toggle between wonder and rigor to solve problems. And if you think about creativity in that way, then yes, obviously artists are doing this toggling between wonder and rigor to solve problems. But so are the best lawyers and accountants and physicians and teachers and farmers and plumbers. Let's just take physicians specifically. I have a primary care physician who shows creativity all the time because she is really an investigator. She's always problem solving and trying to ask through levels of inquiry and question asking what might be the root of the issue that I'm coming to her with. So if we think about creativity as toggling between wonder and rigor to solve problems, we begin to expand and democratize creativity. Now, to my point about creating novel value, that value can be financial value, social value, cultural value. Creativity, as it turns out, is actually the engine for innovation. We will not be able to consistently innovate if we do not start with creativity. If we're trying to think outside of the box, as Twyla Tharp, the American choreographer and dancer said, we have to start with a box. So what is innovation? I've given that some thought, and here's how I think about innovation. An innovation is an invention converted into scalable value. And that conversion factor to go from an invention to an innovation is creativity. And again, that value can be financial, cultural, or social value. But it's so critical that we remember that to go from this idea, this invention, to an innovation, to something of scalable value, we must implement and exercise creativity. Now, as I said at the beginning of my remarks, creativity is not a nice to have, it is a must have. And it's not this woo woo addendum to the important stuff. There is actually a business ROI to creativity. I like to always share that there's not a fuzzy dotted line between creativity and great business results. There's a solid bolt line. So let's delve down a little more deeply about what wonder is and about what rigor is. So wonder. Wonder is about your capacity to be in awe, to ask big, blue sky, ginormous questions, to, to suspend judgment, to pretend, to dream, to daydream, and to be super audacious. Wonder requires us to pause. As I remind my clients all the time, it's hard to wonder when you're going 80 miles an hour. And the more I began to research wonder, the more excited I became at how some really smart people in history have given a lot of credence to wonder. 
So for example, Socrates said that wisdom begins in wonder. And then centuries later, the Jewish theologian and civil rights activist Abraham Heschel wrote that it's wonder, not doubt, which is the root of all knowledge. So if we want to be more knowledgeable, a lot smarter, we have to design space and time for wonder. So here's a prompt. You can jot this question down for yourself. Ponder it through the conference. Ask other people throughout your days together. Who for you, living or deceased, do you consider to be a wonder mentor? Someone who really exhibits those qualities of audacity and deep curiosity and blue sky thinking and awe. For me, children are consistent wonder mentors for me. And it's important that you have in mind at least one person. It doesn't have to be a person you've ever met before. It could be someone in your family, someone with whom you work. Because our wonder mentors serve as lighthouses when we're getting too far down into the weeds. So keep that in mind. Research their habits that help them to be so wondrous. Next, rigor. Now, a lot of the time when we think about creativity, present company excluded, of course, we stop at wonder. And sometimes we even say things like, oh, creativity is doing whatever you feel like. No, it's not. Creativity requires a ton of rigor. In fact, I believe that's why not more of us are intentional about being creative. And the rigor dimension is what we forsake. But rigor is about discipline, focus, time on task, mastery of skill. Rigor is not particularly sexy, and it's often very solitary. Now, if any of you have a background in the arts or have an artistic practice right now, you 100% understand what I'm talking about. I used to squawk on the clarinet throughout middle school and high school and never was able to really get to the wondrous dimension because I had to understand the rules, right? So Leonardo da Vinci, the original Renaissance man himself, said that any obstacle can be destroyed through rigor. So we must incorporate rigor into our creative practice. So you know what question is coming next. Who for you, living or deceased, would you consider to be a rigor mentor? Someone who can really anchor you in the ways that they are disciplined, commit to skill mastery, and focus. So I've already referenced her a little earlier, but one of my rigor mentors is the American dancer and choreographer Twyla Tharp. She's an incredible book called The Creative Habit. And in that book, she says that she's the one who said, before you can think out of the box, you have to start with a box, right? You have to know the rules in order to extend them and rebound against them in order to problem solve in the work that you do. You first must know those rigorous rules. And what Twyla Tharp does, every morning she wakes up no matter how tired she is, how chilly it is outside. She lives in Manhattan. She gets into a cab. She goes to her, her dance studio and she incrementally stretches her body. Her body is her instrument. And she reverse engineers all of the components of her body and, and, and masters those rules so that she can break them a bit. And so, not her body, not her bones, but so she can break the rules. So who for you is a rigor mentor? Research their habits, 
the skill development that they committed to. Because your rigor mentor will, will anger you when you find yourself too much in the clouds. We need both. So what I'm leaving you with to understand as I unpack what wonder and rigor is, is that creativity is absolutely a productivity play. It is fundamental for our productivity individually and among our teams. It's fundamental for our well-being. Increasingly, the neuroscience and creativity is showing how creativity and creative work actually releases those really positive hormones like serotonin versus the not so positive hormones like cortisol. So we need to commit to creativity, the space and the time for it, for the wonder and the rigor in order to boost our own well-being. And finally, creativity is a competency. There is no such thing as the creatives over there or I'm not a creative type, no. It is a competency that all of us can exercise. If you've enjoyed the Practice Advantage podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you want to take your practice to the next level for the sake of your patients, your team, your community, and your bottom line, give us a call. 1-800-959-2020, option three. See you next time.